Hello, podcast fans. Welcome to another episode of the Agile Podcast. I'm just about to join Mr. Jeff Watts at a pub called the Port Wall Tavern in Bristol for a drink. And in this episode, apparently, we're going to talk all about visualization. So grab yourself a drink. I'm here now with Jeff at the Port Wall Tavern and uh, play the jingle. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Nice to see you. Sunny, sunny Bristol. Oh, we're having to sit in the shade. Well, yes, because I haven't got any sun cream it's on. It's so warm and lovely and sunny. You'd, you'd have sat out in the sun, but I, I need to uh, I just bake. Yeah. That's quite refreshing. What did you say this was? It's called uh, Tasty Delicious. Is that what it's No, Delicious something. I've forgotten already. Forgotten already? Oh, yeah. But it's okay. from the Dawkins Brewery. Dawkins? Yeah. Like Richard Dawkins. Anti-God. Mm. Cool. It's nice. It's um, 4.2% of it. Session. How would you describe it? It's got a bit of cl- it's a bit cloudy. Yeah, it's um, got a bit of a John Smith's slightly creamy flavor to it. Perfectly, perfectly drinkable. Not, um, not a really cold... But nice, cool. Shouldn't be able to serve at room temperature. Yeah, yeah. Lager is more of a chilled yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're drinking inches. Inches. In an inches glass. Been there, done that. Been there. Worked there. Made that. Done that. Cool. Uh, well, it's a new kit today. Yeah. It's a new kit. Some wireless mics. So hopefully this works. Still a bit of a bit of an experiment, but we're using a a Canon camera. Yeah. Plugged in. So hopefully the editing process will be a bit smoother and easier. Yeah, that's the hope, isn't it? Has been. Don't have to sync up the different frequencies of audio and video. And it's taking too long. Yeah. So another investment in kit made 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 possible by our our lovely lovely patrons. patrons. and we're at the Port Wall, Port Wall Tavern. Port Wall Tavern. Bastions of the Bite and Beverage. So this is on Port Wall Lane, which is the old Bristol Port Wall, I think. As in the wall of the port. Mm. So the pub dates back to, is it sound there? Massive window. Certain hatch window. Yeah. Um, I think that it says on the, on the web, it's, it dates back 1847 or something like that. Okay. So it doesn't look it. Obviously, it's a decent, a recent paint job, but nice, very much a Bristol cobbled street kind of benches yeah. out right next to a main road, is opposite that, the. Uh, it's not a cathedral, is it? No, it's a, just a church. Be- it's a big church. Uh, is it an abbey? It's pretty grand for a church. It is, yeah, it's Bedminster Abbey, basically. Not yeah. far from Clifton, not far from the station. Temple Meads, yeah. On a beautiful sunny day. So what's 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 uh, what have you been on working on lately? What's 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 on your mind? Well, I've been working a lot. Been busy, quite busy. busy. Yeah, trying to get a lot of stuff to a good state before things just slow down for the summer, and I 
I try and slow down because otherwise I'll get frustrated by the lack of speed. Yeah. So websites in development, programs in development, contracts in discussion, all that kind of stuff. But client work going well. Yeah. And we're talking of Patreon actually. I'm I'm a I support people on Patreon as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, musicians and writers and things. Coming stars. Well, not so much up and coming, but so you know, someone who is locally, you know, she's never really done anything outside of the UK as a musician, but she's released maybe ten albums, and I've liked them all. And you know, she does her own marketing and yeah. writing and stuff, and you know, basically doesn't earn much. So I like her music, support her. And, people who professional writers that you don't really get a lot of money from they're almost freelance journalists almost yeah. they don't want to be tied to a particular editorial philosophy um, yeah. support their independent research and, so, and one of them is some some of our listeners might be familiar with actually Tim Urban are you, are you familiar with Tim Urban? no I've heard his name before no he um a shot to fame is probably a grand term but he, he did a very 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 popular TED talk on procrastination okay uh, and he talks about the procrastination monkey I think um, at the wheel and he, he does really cool little very almost childlike drawings right uh, on an iPad to to illustrate his concept so he does stick figures like literally stick figures yeah um, something that you imagine a child to do but it, it gets across the points really quite well in a lo-fi way right um, so does, does he do that live or is it just no no that's like his sort of slides okay right. I think and he might do it live before I know but I've yeah. never seen it on his website or on his videos as, as yeah pictures but no he does Really, 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 really long, like ten thousand word blog posts. Really? Yeah, really long blog posts. Um, partly because he just he just talks so much, but also he goes into really deep dives. Right. And the first one I came across was when he did it on, on Tesla years ago, um, and he's done done things on American presidents, space, bacteria, and basically he's just a curious person. He's, right. not, he's not got a particular sphere of knowledge that he's an expert in. He's not tied to the industry. No, though. no, he just finds something that he's interested in and thinks, right, I'm going I'm to research the hell out of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just write up on it. He calls them deep dives, but um, for someone like me who isn't particularly good at reading sort of academic stuff, yeah. He, he makes quite big concepts easy to understand and quite small concepts easy to understand. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm making much sense really, but he did um, he did a he's got quite a big a bit, bit of a following now, so he does a, yeah. like you know, write in and ask me any questions type thing. And if I don't know the answer I'll try and figure it out. So they'll 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 write in and someone will say, Would you rather be eleven inches tall or eleven feet tall, right? And he'll rather than just <laughs> He'll do some analysis of it and say, you know, if I was 11 inches and I can get into lots of places and people wouldn't notice, you know, I could get in and hear all the secrets about what's going on in the Kremlin and things. I could stow away on people's bags and get free flights and whatever. Um, but eventually, yeah, there would, there would be limitations. Um, and so I think he ended up on, I'd rather be 11 feet tall. But <laughs> someone wrote in and said something about how much does bacteria weigh or how big a bacteria or something like this. Um, you know, when you're talking about bacteria, 
really, 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 really small. And my brain, I can't. He could tell me like a, a nanometer or something, yeah. and that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. But if he says, right, if you added up all of the bacteria in your body, it's 0.3 percent of your mass. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. It's about 0.3 percent of your body mass. So he, he finds out, you know, gets gets finds the research from someone in a microbiology lab or something, and how many how many bacteria cells do we have and all that kind of stuff. So zero point three percent. So if you take the average seven year old, and I think it was a seven year old who wrote it, they weigh this much. So your bacteria probably weighs. So it's like a plum. Okay. Right. So he said it's about the weight of a plum. So he draws a stick figure holding a plum. Okay. And he says, and actually because of the way that the density and the mass and things works, it's actually about the same density as a plum as well. So right. basically your bacteria is a plum. <laughs> I thought that's quite a nice way of explaining it. Yeah. yeah. But then he goes even further. And so then he can't sort of help himself thinking, well, how much does the whole of, the, you know, all of the bacteria in the world yeah. weigh? Yeah. And so he works that out. And it's something like, I'm going to have to look up what this word he used now. Um, nonillion? Something? Nonillion? Right. Uh, like it's million, million, million or something like that. Billion, billion, billion. Okay. Yeah. It means nothing to me, right? Okay. So he says, uh, imagine that you've got a cube, so a three-dimensional shape, that's 15 kilometers by 15 kilometers by 15 kilometers. Right? It would cover most of LA, mm. and it would go as high as most commercial airlines yeah. fly. Yeah. He said, that is all the bacteria in the world. He said, it would take you know, like 20 hours or something to walk around that. Yeah. And it would smell horrible. <laughs> and and then it's another way, he says, if you spread that out with a big butter knife across yeah. the surface of the earth, it would cover the surface of the earth to a depth of seven millimeters. So that's how much bacteria there is in the world. And I think that's that's understandable yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's visual, isn't it? It's, yeah. um, it's putting data and putting complex complex data in a more digestible form yeah and more that the human brain we are inherently visual animals aren't we that we we can't it's the same thing I was having a discussion yesterday I did a product owner class yesterday and trying to get we talked a lot about storytelling and trying to help development teams engage through visualising what I actually walking through what, I, what someone is actually doing with the product yeah not rather than writing about algorithms and stories and thinking well no how does that someone actually interact what does their day look like you know, yeah that, that type of thing give me give me a scenario that someone might be in where they might start a day in the life of a product owner yeah like a pie chart or something yeah that type of thing so it's just like trying to visualize what a, a typical day looks like yeah I, we are visual animals I mean, visualize, he also so he did um, he did another thing about um, somebody asked him how old do you think you will live to or something like that and he said you know average person lives to within this range um, th these variables affect it and what have you um, and I'm probably going to live to about ninety yeah. right and he said okay that's fair enough but thinking about well what have I got left yeah and actually said yeah if my parents live to the average age then you know I'm going to have maybe and I see my parents on average three times a year I've only got like this many meetings with my or days with my parents left okay well that, that, that might change my perspective of things. Mm -hmm. so I've only got this many Super Bowls left I've only got you know if I if I have yeah. a Chinese takeaway once a, a month I've got this many Chinese takeaways left in my life and he was visualizing his life as Super Bowls 
and he'd crossed off the Super Bowls that he's been there for and ones that were left and well, looking, at it, looking at it that way that's a different perspective I have to look at it from Chinese takeaways and I I did um, did something with a team years ago around instead of measuring story points yeah we were measuring story pints yeah uh, and you know they were sort of accumulating story pints for every story they completed in the end of the sprint they had a, had a pint just a different form of visualisation gives them a different abstraction perspective yeah. of things would would you have approached this podcast differently if you'd have known that we've only got let's say 10 more left ever probably yeah I'd probably want to make each one more different I would search harder for a more unique place to to, to, to to do these things yeah absolutely I think I probably would I don't know whether it's worth as you know as a team we, we very rarely think you know we've, we've only got 10 more sprints left before that you know statistically yeah, if you looked at the, the churn within our organisation, for example, or yeah. how often people change their jobs or something, yeah. then the chances of us as a team being this team for any longer than six months is yeah. less than 50%. Yeah. So we've got maybe six sprints left as a team. Should we do something? Should we think about it differently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, no, you're right. It's, it's almost like re- release planning or, or like long-term planning. When you're trying to sell the risks of long-term planning like putting it in those terms like statistically saying data has proven that someone one of our team members will leave in the next six months mm. and then we extrapolate that in the next two years four of our team members will have left and been replaced by five or four or five other people uh, therefore the, the plans that you've asked for now are you know yeah 25 percent less likely to be valid because half of this team won't exist. I don't think I've ever incorporated that kind of risk or caveat into into release planning or project planning. I don't think I've ever thought about that. It makes sense, doesn't it? If you, if you can, and you, you should be able to find the data that backs that up. Yeah, and we all know that if the team composition changes, it affects the, t- yeah. the speed so of the team. So you're making a plan for two years' time or whatever, or even nine months' time. Statistically, the team that's estimated that work will not be the same team that's doing that in nine months' time mm. by a factor of whatever percent. So that's the risk factor that you're you're committing to. And even even by saying a fixed times, fixed time, um, fixed number of sprints, there's no guarantee that we're still going to get through this, the same amount of work in that time. We're going to sneeze. <coughs> But we um, quite often said to teams, and I think Roman said this a long time ago, when perhaps I was teaching with him, or I certainly was talking to him, you almost have to imagine that every sprint is your last sprint. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, if this was, you're you're about to move on to to a different project, or the project's about to get canned, and you've only got one more sprint to make it right, or to do the best you could, what could you do? Is Is it kind of plan as if you're going to live forever but act as if you're going to die tomorrow or something like that there's some kind of yeah. catchy I like that yeah. phrase isn't it because we are yeah we we talk about this idea of sprinting indefinitely but the reality is you're, you're not going you're not. to <laughs> no. you're not so um, yeah I, I actually went away on a bit of a family road trip 
last you week. You did, yeah. Your bucket list trip, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't my bucket list trip. No, it was, no, my, it was yeah. my grand's bucket list trip. So how old was your grand? 92, 93, okay. something like that. So we went back to the town where she was born. A long way away. Five-hour drive. Mm. Um, right up, almost in Scotland. So it's the northernmost. You drove all the way? Yeah. Did you? Um, and, yeah, so she, yeah, she was... Yeah one of those she was evacuated as a nine year old during the war to to a different place and had to go and live with someone that she didn't know because her hometown was being bombed by the Germans and things and all she had was a little brown carrier bag with a sandwich and one square of chocolate you know, and a piece of coal you know to suck it <laughs> um, so we took her back to see the, the house that she was born in and then we drove to another town to see where she was evacuated to and her, her parents grave anyway Long, long story um, but just that that perception of time and I was actually chatting I had a coaching session with someone this morning and we were thinking about perspectives yeah and how it's often quite helpful to get into the habit of thinking about things from different perspectives whether that be from you know, the other person in the situation or someone that you know would handle the situation really really well or, yeah yeah, but also, I think you know, thinking about things from a ninety-year-old person's perspective or a, or a nine-year-old yeah, person's yeah, yeah, perspective yeah. just opens up different possibilities. But that wasn't actually why I brought that that whole thing up. It's because you know, this idea of planning for as if you're going to live forever, but acting as if you're going to die tomorrow. Um, so, I, from a very young age, putting money into a pension. Uh, my sister is a year younger than me hasn't put a penny into a pension her whole life Um, very very different attitudes to the future and she's every every paycheck she spends yeah and when yeah it's not the goal but it's not a bad thing it's that yeah when the money runs out the money just it's a bit burned like a burn down chart to the end of the month it hits zero you get you get get another bump Yeah. yeah it's kind of two extremes I know, I know so families that we good friends with that's how they operate it's, it's different to me it's different to me and Sabrina but they don't have savings they spend what they have but I could die and never use that pension yeah. that money. I could have spent that money and had a, had a, had a much better time um, and that was actually kind of my philosophy if you like when I was younger it was live now and rack up debt and if you're old enough to have to pay that debt off then work when you're older Never, I never lived that life but um, yeah, and I think but you're, you're still a lot more um, yeah, of a risk taker than me by comparison. You, you still you you're, you're uh, yeah you're not gambles the wrong word, but you're yeah you'll take a punt. Yeah, I, I'm always trying to find that balance. Yeah, and to be fair, my wife helps with that. Well, she's very good at spending money. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't have a problem with that. Don't have a problem with using it up. So, um, but yeah, getting that balance. And I think you know, teams need to get that balance as well of actually thinking about the future, future proofing against doing something now, getting something done, not looking for perfection, not saving everything. You can't. You can't. Well, to use that that terminology, you can't sprint throughout a sprint. No. You can't sprint throughout a day. There are ups and downs in your energy levels, there are ups and downs in your focus levels, ups and downs in your motivation levels. But overall, taking a little bit of time out every now and again to think, hey, where, where are we? You know, every now and again, I might, to use that analogy, put a little bit more into the pension or take a month off from my pension contributions, you know, because we want to go on holiday or something. Um, yeah. 
and I think teams do that as well product owners do that as well but as long as it's mindful yeah I think that's where a coach can come in when a scrum master comes in doesn't they? That, that kind of conscience of well, they, they can see when the pace oh yeah when we need to and like, I don't I know well, I was at a, an organisation this week I won't name who it was but they their scrum masters were basically delivery managers and a delivery manager is not really going to have that remit to say you know what take, take some time out or, you know. yeah. so they've got product owners pushing delivery and they've got scrum masters pushing delivery and that's yeah it can be a, a risky combination because they were deliberately there I was interpreted from, from Ken and his early work that almost to oppose to 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 conflict those two roles to push against each other yes to repel yeah, yin and yang I think yeah. you described that as once so one if it is a, it is a partnership but equally there's it's a partnership looking to build different things well without without the getting too deep without full knowledge of what I'm talking about yin and yang is kind of there's no light without dark there's no dark without light it's necessary yeah and they're two they are two sides of the same coin and without one you don't have the other no but visualising that you know, and I don't think we have a really good way of visualising that partnership oh yeah or even so in my head I'm sort of wandering now towards battery battery levels you know what well, uh, how much charge has this team got left right now? You know, if I if I look at my phone, for example, you can you can sort of track roughly yeah. how much percentage you're going to get through on a typical day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can have now there's clever optimum charging things so you don't overcharge the battery yeah. and so yeah. on. And you can oversleep. Yeah, oh, I'm going all over the place here. <laughs> but you know, this is there a way of visualising burnout? Is there a way of visualising? energy capacity within the team because if you start the next sprint and you're not at 100% where are you at and over time the battery of my phone will never get back to 100% exactly yeah no and, and bat- even the batteries degrade don't they yeah um, yeah I, I, it reminds me of one of the very first one of the early days of coaching sessions I did for a team where I was facilitating their sprint planning session and they were a team that was struggling to, to learn or to, to commit to the right amount of work. Yep. And it's about, again, visualisation. All I did, simple thing, I drew, it was, wasn't so much a battery, it was like a, like a beaker or like a conical flask okay. on, on, the, on a whiteboard. Yeah. And every time they added some points to their sprint, I just filled it up. Yeah. To a, to, and they could see when it was getting near the top. And that, that, they said that we never really thought about it like that. That, that like, like it's a beaker of water that you're filling yeah. up. And then when it hits the top, it's going to overflow. So we are those just little things batteries batteries filling up and that's if that flask stays static I don't know where I'm going with this <laughs> but you could fill it up right to the top and it won't spill but if you suddenly start moving around it spills yeah, of course. and teams I don't think I think the metaphor there if the teams are moving around it's static it's a complex environment it's, it's changing yeah. they need that and also you're constantly looking at a beaker of water that's full 
that would fill me with stress, thinking yeah. someone bangs the table, that's yeah. going to get spilled. Yeah. You just know that your sprint's at full capacity. Yeah. You've got no room to manoeuvre. Yeah. Have you seen that? Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm meandering now. As an internet game or an internet uh, meme, I suppose you'd call it, a, 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 the two people. And the aim of the game, I won't do it, but is to try and oh, fill, yes. fill them to the top, to the surface tension, yes. and keep dropping a, a little droplet of water until, until it spills. Yeah. Great game. Simple game. Anyway, yeah. But it's incredibly stressful um, if you're working at 100% or even working at 90%. Oh. I think oh. it's, yeah, it's good. Interesting. I, lo- I love abstraction. I love metaphor and visualization and seeing, trying to, trying to change people's lenses. Well, if I was to step up a level and say, actually, just the fact that we started talking about visualization led to more meandering than normal. Mm. I think it just got us thinking differently, got us thinking more creatively. Mm. Maybe. That's my instinct. Mm. You're right. Anyway, cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. See you all soon. Bye-bye.